0: Now to finish off uh, the series that we've been in over these last couple of weeks called Encounters with Jesus. Um, for those of you that uh, have been journeying with this series, we've been learning about how wherever Jesus went, people's lives were changed. Whether it was someone that was just absolutely desperate for, uh, for a miracle or whether it was someone that felt like they had totally blown it and gone the complete wrong direction in life, an encounter with Jesus could change all of that. And as we've been looking at these different uh, stories, we're discovering something about the people in the stories, but we're discovering some things about ourselves as well, and what we can learn. And this morning we look at a powerful story, About the faith of a Roman officer. It's found in Luke chapter 7 if you want to follow along in your Bible or on your chapel app, or you can just follow along with the verses on the screen. But it's called the faith of the Roman officer, or your Bible version may say the faith of the centurion. A centurion was simply a Roman officer that was uh, put in charge of about 100 men. They were the backbone of the Roman army, very, very significant. And this is about one of those Roman officers and the faith that Jesus discovered in this man. So let's read along, and uh, we'll try to give some context uh, as we go. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all of this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. Now, he had just finished the great Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest messages ever given that hit on so many facets of everyday life, and the kingdom of God, and People were blown away by Jesus' teaching, and it says, as he returned then from to Capernaum, Capernaum was this little village town uh, on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus would go all around the region into different towns and villages, preaching and teaching and healing, and he would always make his way back to Capernaum. It was like his home base of operations, and as he returns to Capernaum, it says, at that time, a highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. Now, Rome was, the Roman officers were trying to control uh, the area, and they, this old Roman officer was there and had a servant. Most Roman officers were not allowed to marry, and so many times uh, a, an officer's servants became like family members. And so, like it says in the text, this was a highly valued servant. Uh, The Gospel of Matthew, which carries a, a parallel account of this, says it was probably a young boy that was also a servant. And he was sick and he was dying. And it says that when the officer heard about Jesus, probably that Jesus had returned to the town, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and to heal his slave. It says, so they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. They said, if anyone deserves your help, he does. For he loves the Jewish people and he even built a synagogue for us. We'll come back to that in a few moments. And it says, so Jesus went with them, but just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. He said, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. He said, I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. And it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Jesus was amazed. And he turned to those following him and said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And it says, And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Because an encounter with Jesus can change everything. And what's interesting in this story is that while it has to do with this highly valued slave who would eventually be healed by Jesus, the thrust of the whole passage is focused on the faith of this Roman soldier, this Roman officer. And when it says that Jesus was amazed at this man's faith, This sticks out because all the other times in the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life, time and time again, we find the word amazed, but we find it in other people being amazed at Jesus. But here, Jesus is the one amazed at someone. Think about it. Uh, From the very birth of Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, verse 33, it says, Jesus' parents, they were amazed at what was being said about him, about Jesus, and in Luke 2.47, Jesus is probably about 12 or 13 years old, and he's found in the temple courts. And he's having religious theological conversations as a 12-year-old with the religious leaders of the day. And it says, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Luke 4.22, it says, everyone spoke well of him, of Jesus, and they were amazed by the gracious words that came from From his lips. In Luke 4.32 it says there too the people were amazed at his teaching for he spoke with authority. Everywhere Jesus went people were amazed by what he did, by what he said. In Luke chapter 5 a well-known story some friends take their paralyzed friend to try to get him to Jesus so that Jesus would heal him. And they come to the home where Jesus is teaching and people are crowded everywhere and they can't get in. And so the Bible says they climbed up on the roof and started tearing the roof apart and lowered their friend down right in front of Jesus so he couldn't miss him so that Jesus would heal this man and he did a miracle and touched his life and the man would walk and it says everyone was gripped with wonder and awe and they praised God exclaiming, we have seen what? Amazing things today. Time and time again, people were amazed by Jesus. But what stands out in this story is that Jesus is the one that is amazed. You know, the only other time, John Bloom says this, the only other time that this word amazed uh, is used to describe Jesus' response to other people's faith is in Mark chapter 6, verse 6, where when he is amazed at the lack of faith in the people of Nazareth where he grew up. Only other time, Jesus is amazed at faith. But it's, he's amazed at their lack of faith, that they, that they didn't believe that here his home, own hometown didn't believe who he was. And so it begs the question, it makes me just intrigued, and maybe you as well, what was it about the Roman officer's faith that Jesus was so amazed about? That's what I want us to look at today. And the first thing that I think amazed Jesus about this officer's faith was that it was an unlikely faith. An unlikely faith. Remember, it says when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he turned to the crowds and he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Remember, Jesus had been teaching in the whole region, and he says, out of all the places that I've gone... Wherever I've done incredible miracles, wherever I've taught incredible words of truth to the people, of all the places that I've been, I have not yet seen any kind of faith that is as amazing as this. And it wasn't just about where Jesus discovered this faith, I think it was about who he discovered the faith in. It was the faith of a Roman officer a Roman. They were not the friends of the Jewish people or the movement of Jesus. If we remember, it would eventually be Roman officers that would drive the spikes through Jesus' hands and feet, crucifying Him on the cross and taking His life. And this is why I say this was a very unlikely faith found in In this Roman officer. One Bible commentary says this centurion, this officer, was one of the most unlikely persons to amaze Jesus. He was a Gentile. Doubtless he had a pagan upbringing. He was a Roman stationed in Palestine to subject the Jews to the emperor's rule. He was a man of war. He achieved the rank of centurion by distinguishing himself above the others in the brutal Roman martial arts. I love what they say here. Not exactly the resume that you would expect for becoming one of the Bible's great heroes of faith. Unlikely. Unexpected. And it just goes to show that sometimes faith can be discovered in some of the most unlikely places and even in some of the most unlikely people. This would have surprised everyone and it surprised Jesus. I love what Matthew, remember I said before, Matthew has a parallel account. And Matthew was primarily writing to a Jewish audience. And so Matthew highlights something else that that Jesus said in this same context. Just after Jesus says, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel, Jesus then said these words, and I tell you this, that many Gentiles... Like this Roman officer, many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Now, anybody that was a Jew that would have heard this would have been dumbfounded by this. They they were the Jewish people, the chosen people. Even Jesus would later say, I came for the lost sheep of Israel, they thought that Jesus came for them, and now Jesus is saying that there's going to be some other people at this heavenly wedding feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those were like the heroes of the Israelites, the, the heroes of the Jewish nation, and they, they knew about this feast. They had anticipated it. They thought that they were going to surely be there because of their Jewish heritage. And now Jesus is saying the people unlike them, very unlikely, would be there too. And then he contrasts it in verse 12. He says, on the other hand though, many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, he says, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Wow. the picture of of hell. And what Jesus says here, what he was saying to them, is that we might be surprised who really makes it to heaven. That, that, That some of the most unlikely, even Gentiles, pagans, but those that have put their faith in Jesus will make it. And others that Jesus came for, people that have grown up religious in the Jewish faith, or perhaps today that grew up Christian and have Christian heritage, may not make it. Because it's not based upon your heritage. It's not based upon your religious background. What gets a person into heaven is the person that your faith is truly in. Is it in Jesus. And that's what was so unlikely about this Roman officer. He had incredible faith centered in the person of Jesus. It was unlikely. So I wonder, who are the unlikelies in your life? People, friends, family members, neighbors, co-workers, that you think, man, no, I'd never invite them to church. Or no, we don't bring up religion with her. Or uh, he, he'd, never, he'd never believe. Because this passage is showing us that Jesus came for the unlikelies. Or maybe you're here this weekend and you're the unlikely. You've come and somebody keeps bugging you at work to check out the chapel or Or maybe you had some sort of kind of spiritual wondering and I'm just, I don't know, I'll go check it out. I'm sure it's not going to be for me though. Or, or, Or you sit here and you think, yeah, I'm not even sure what I believe about all this. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's true. Or maybe you're here and you think, well, I think it might be true, but I don't think I'd ever be good enough. And so you feel like the unlikely. And Jesus, He wants you to know that this faith is possible for you. I just want us to close our eyes for a moment, and for those in the room that may be here just exploring, and maybe you feel out of place, maybe you feel like you don't really know anybody yet, maybe you don't don't know what you really believe, maybe you're skeptical maybe you feel like, like God couldn't love you. Jesus, right now I just pray that you would, you would move in your love and your power into those people's lives here that are searching or wondering. That they would echo a prayer from their heart that just says, Jesus, Help me to know if this is real, if you're real. Have time to open themselves up to just a baby step of real faith. And God, for many of us in this room that have discovered a life in you, have found freedom and forgiveness and hope. God, for the unlikelies in our life, would you... Would you make us passionate about praying for them regularly? God, would you make it a priority in our lives to invest in those relationships with those that don't yet know you? And God, help us look for opportunity and be courageous to take it, to invite them, to invite the unlikelies because you came for them as well. We commit ourselves and And this this gospel and this goal to you in Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus comes back into Capernaum, and this Roman officer's faith blows him away. It amazes Jesus, I think, first and foremost, because it was such an unlikely faith. But secondly, and probably most importantly, it was a humble faith, a humble faith. It says, when the officer heard about Jesus he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and to heal his slave. Now, notice this Roman officer had a lot of clout, a lot of power, a lot of authority. And uh, he could have demanded that Jesus be brought before him to heal his, his valued slave. But instead, because of his respect for Jesus, because he has a humble posture, he gets some of the Jewish elders the people that he thought were religious and associated more with Jesus than certainly some Gentile Roman officer, and he he asks them to go and ask Jesus if he would come. And then we see how these Jewish elders approach Jesus with this officer's need. And this is how religion always approaches God. Look at what they say. It says, so they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. Good so far. And then they said, if anyone deserves your help, he does. For he loves the Jewish people, and he even built a synagogue for us. Now, this is significant. This, this Roman officer, probably because of his role in, in, the, in the army, uh, made a very good living because he probably didn't have a a family of his own. He had extra resources. And evidently, he loved and cared for the Jewish people, specifically in Capernaum, and used some of his resources to invest to help them build a synagogue there, a synagogue that probably he didn't even attend himself. And so the Jewish elders go to Jesus on the basis of the goodness of this guy and what he's done, because that's what religion does. And so they go to Jesus and say, he's been so good to us. He loves us. He's built a synagogue. If anyone deserves your help, he does. I wonder, I wonder if we ever approach Jesus that way. Well, Jesus, you know, I mean, I've really been trying harder. Oh, you know, and I've really cleaned up my act. And, you know, I'm doing a lot better. I mean, we, we joined a small group and everything. You know, or, hey, oh, I mean, we serve babies back there, Jesus. Like, I mean, we, we really, we're showing you, we're showing you how serious you, we are. And now we've got this need. And because, you know, we're, we're really doing a lot for you, Jesus. Won't you do something for me now? That, that's what religion does. And it's like our default setting as human beings. Well, I, if I just be good, then God will have to do good, right? And it's so interesting. This is what I think amazes Jesus about the Roman officer's faith. His approach is not based upon what he's done. In fact, look at what he says. It says, so Jesus went with them. That is, went with the religious elders the jewish elders went with them but just before they arrived at the house the house of the roman officer the officer sent some more friends to say these words to jesus and look at how the roman officer addresses jesus he says lord like master boss out of humility he calls jesus master And he says, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy. I am not worthy of such an honor. And a second time, he says, I am not even worthy to come and meet you. Do you see the difference? The religious elders, they're saying, Jesus, hey, this guy's a really good guy, and he's done so much. If anyone deserves this Jesus, he does. And yet the Roman officer is saying, I don't deserve anything. I'm not worthy to have you step into my home. You see the difference in the approach? One one has to do with religion. I do for God. He'll do for me. The other has to do with real living faith that says, God has been so good to me, I don't deserve anything, but I come to him on the basis of who he is and what he's already done for me. This this Roman officer understood what the Apostle Paul would later proclaim to the Christians in Rome. He said, because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, he said, I give each of you this warning. This was the warning. He said, do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Have an honest evaluation of yourselves. And while the religious leaders of the day were saying, oh, this guy really deserves it. He's done a lot of good for you and for your people, Jesus. The officer knew better. He said, no, I, you don't understand. I don't, deserve, I don't deserve anything. I'm not worthy. And yet the amazing thing is, when he felt like he wasn't worthy, Jesus thought that he was worth it. Because Jesus answers his prayer in the most miraculous way. All has to do with a proper understanding of God and his grace. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, So we can say that we are more wicked than we ever dared believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope. And we can say those two things at the very same time. He says, This creates a radical new dynamic for personal growth. It means that the more that we see our own flaws and sins, the more precious, electrifying, and yes, amazing God's grace is Appears to us. It begs the question how are we approaching God? Maybe it leads to a next step question that whenever we are asking God for something, we should first ask ourselves this question Am I asking on the basis of uh, what I have done for him? Or am I asking on the basis of what Jesus has already done for me? It was an unlikely faith. It was a humble faith. And finally, it was a powerful faith. Look at verse 7 with me. Jesus, he responds to Jesus saying, I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. This is, this is the power of faith. He says, Jesus, you don't have to come even to my house. Just say the word. Now, up to this point, almost all the miracles that we read out, actually throughout the entire Gospels, all have to do with Jesus' personal touch on people's lives. Uh, You think about it um, the man that was born blind, Jesus comes along and he spits in the mud. And he puts the mud on the man's eyes, touching his eyes. And the man goes and washes, and he's healed, and he can see because Jesus touched him. Or you think about the leper that was uh, lying by the city gate that everybody avoided. And nobody wanted to go near him. And it says Jesus came by, and he had compassion on him. And he reached out, and he touched him. And the leper was healed instantaneously. Everybody wanted the touch of Jesus because they believed that that was when the miracle would happen. It's why the, the woman that was bleeding, the Bible says, for seven years, uh, she's, she's trying to get to Jesus in the midst of a crowd. And the Bible records her thoughts and it says she thought to herself, if only I could reach out and just, just touch the hem of his garment, then I would be made well. Everybody wanted to touch Jesus. But this is what's so amazing about the Roman officer's faith. Jesus is on his way to his house and he says, you don't even need to come in. In fact, I'm not worthy to have you come in. And you don't have to touch my servant to heal him. You only have to say the word. This Roman officer believed that Jesus' word was so powerful that it could heal someone from afar. I love what he goes on to say. See, he understood power and authority. He was a Roman officer, after all. That's why he says, I know this. That is, I know that you can heal my servant by just saying the word. He says, because I'm under the authority of my superior officers. He knew what it was to take commands and then do what he was told. And he said, and not only that, I have authority over my soldiers. He knew that his word mattered to his soldiers, that all he had to do was say, go, and guess what? They'd go. He could say, come, and they would have to come. And with his slaves, all he'd have to say is, do this, and that's what they would do. You see, he understood. He understood both uh, who he was over And the power of his words, but most importantly, the Roman officer, he knew ultimately who he was under. And what power and authority Jesus had. And that's why Jesus is amazed. Everybody else thinks that they've got to touch me, or me touch them. But this man, he believes in me so much that all I have to do is say the word. And his servant would be healed. I love what Timothy Keller says. He says, it's not the strength of our faith, but the object of our faith that actually saves us. Why was this Roman officer's faith so powerful? Because of the object of his faith. His faith was not in his own power. His faith was in the power of, of Jesus. And so I wonder, what situation are you facing? Or maybe someone that you love or care about is facing, for which we need to echo the prayer of the Roman officer, saying, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. They don't deserve that. But Jesus, I believe in you and you could change it all just with a word. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I am dumbfounded by this Roman officer's faith and it blows me away even more that you were. And what surprised you was that faith, real genuine faith in you was found in someone so unlikely and so whoever the unlikelies are in the room or out there help us to have faith on their behalf that you want to work in their lives and Jesus help us never to approach you with an expectant deservedness but help us to approach you in grateful humility, recognizing that we don't deserve and we are not worthy, and yet you thought we were worth it. And so we bring our needs, our cares, our concerns to you, Jesus. And by the power of your word, I ask that you would move, not because we have such faith, but because you, the God of the universe, the creator of all things that spoke the word, world into existence, you are the object of our faith. Help us to trust you more. It's in Christ's name that we pray together. Amen.